Hi there. I have quite a little treat for you. In this business, Sierra Lynch, she is the gold standard. If you didn't have money, I wouldn't even spit in your general direction. Do you understand? There are men who pay her vast sums of money for the pleasure of being used and humiliated. My job is to go in there with my camera and expose the truth. You're from Australia, and you're making a movie in America, so I think you're trying to live the American dream, too. Oh. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Perkovich, and this is episode number 215. Set to have its premiere June 2nd at the Brooklyn Film Festival is Use Me, an Australian-produced psychosexual mockumentary in which filmmaker Julian Shaw documents the life of adult entertainer and star Ciara Lynch, only to get sucked into a world of sex, deception, and addiction. And joining me now to talk about the film is the film's writer and director, Julian Shaw. Julian, I thank you very much for joining me today. Hey, Matt, great to be with you. That was a great introduction. You made me want to see the movie, even though I made it. That was good. Oh, well, that's the whole uh, whole plan. I hope people do see the movie when it comes <laughs> out in, in a couple of days, and hopefully when it eventually does hit our shores here as well. I think the first thing I'd like to do is just work on a definition of, of, of a, a label that, that is put on um, Ciara in regards to her profession, which is a, a humiliatrix. Am I, am I correct in, in my pronunciation there? Yeah, no, that sounds right to me. I mean, she's been called a few different things. A cyber dominatrix is one I've heard. An internet dominatrix. Uh, a financial dominatrix. But uh, yes, humiliatrix, I think, is like the catch-all term for what she does. And what exactly is an humiliatrix? Well, you know, I think it is someone, typically a woman, you know, let's be honest, uh, who has male clients who, you know, they're coming to her for a kind of BDSM-inspired play, but it's very much psychological. It's all done over the Internet. So this isn't a dominatrix that you go and see in person and there's whips and chains. It's more like, you know, you will be verbally humiliated or you will be financially dominated, which means, you know, these clients of hers actually get turned on by giving her vast sums of money, um, really unwarranted amounts of money, but that's their particular peccadillo, and they love to do it, and they love to give her the money. So, you know, it's a very strange world, very strange subculture. hasn't really been explored on film, um, but essentially, you know, she is a dominant persona. Men who have a fetish for being submissive go to her and get their kicks. Um, so I guess this leads to the million-dollar question. How did you, Julian, um, come to know about um, Ciara and this whole kind of humiliatrix kind of thing that's going on here? It's funny. We've known this question was coming for a very long time. So, uh, you know, honestly, I'm a little bit into the kind of stuff she does, but not necessarily the more extreme stuff like financial domination and that kind of thing just full disclosure that's not something i get a kick out of but uh i discovered her on youtube actually it was just a pirated clip um but i really became interested when i went to her website and sort of discovered that she'd cultivated this really interesting persona online i mean look obviously i found the whole presentation of it very sexy quite titillating but, you know, that doesn't really make you think, oh, I'm going to make a film about this person. Um, what kind of got the creative juices flowing was, you know, she was so brilliant at social media. The whole character of Sierra was kind of like this weird performance art. And I just thought she had this charisma and intelligence that made me think she's a born performer. And at that point, I didn't really know what I was going to do, but I reached out to her and said, 
I think that I want to make a, a project with you as the focal point. And, you know, we kind of went from there. And, and luckily, she'd seen a couple of things that I'd done, and she actually knew who I was. So she was a little bit more receptive. Because, um, look, obviously, there are guys sliding into her DMs all yeah. day, every day. So luckily, I had a little bit of cut through because she knew who I was. So we kind of went from there. Your previous two films were documentaries. Was the initial pitch to do a documentary about her and her profession? It really was. It really was. So, um, yeah, I, I've done two documentaries. Uh, one was called Darling, the Peter Dirk Ace story, uh, which is about a political satirist from South Africa named Peter Dirk Ace, amazing guy. Uh, and then my second film was called Cup of Dreams, and that was about the All Blacks and New Zealand's crazy obsession with them. Uh, including my own obsession, because I'm actually New Zealand-born and uh, never quite got rid of my All Blacks mania. So that was kind of a psychological study of Kiwis and how crazy we all are about the All Blacks. So I was very much coming from a documentary background, and I was talking to ABC about maybe, you know, I was pitching the series. Maybe there could be this show about Internet entrepreneurs, and I thought Sierra might be one of multiple subjects. Mm -hmm. Once I actually went to Portland and met her, I was like, okay, hang on a sec. She's so interesting that I think, you know, you could do a whole project that's just her. And, and so the documentary kind of fell to the wayside a little bit. It's a really interesting kind of how this whole thing kind of evolved because you can clearly see within, especially the first kind of like 30 minutes, it's very much a documentary style filmmaking. It's a... Uh, it's all about her, where she's come from, etc., etc. Then that's when everything kind of, there's the fantasy kind of merges with the reality and such. When it comes to planning that kind of stuff, are you and Sierra working together on this? Are you figuring out what's a best way to kind of take what she does and as a person and take what she does as a profession and take what you do as a profession as well as a filmmaker and kind of merge all these things, all this stuff together? Yeah, I mean, look, it was very much a, a collaboration. I mean, obviously, I wrote the screenplay, but, you know, she had a lot of creative input. I mean, just in the sense that I'm using the raw materials of her life. So, as I said, it started as a real documentary. Then I got to a point where I thought, you know what, this thing's going to fly much better if it's actually fictionalized in some regards. And it will actually allow me to get a bit deeper. Because, look, let's be honest, when you're dealing with the sex industry and... Uh, you know, clients who might have secrets they don't want the world to know about or, you know, things that might be very anonymous, very private and online. No one wants to really put that in a movie that the world's going to see. It, it actually was quite freeing to say, look, let's give ourselves the license to fictionalize this a bit, but at the same time, using the building blocks of reality. So the whole kind of fictional story, very much inspired by what she does, very true to life, very much based on the ethical questions people have about her profession and frankly some of the gray areas morally you know i mean i'm quite sex positive i tend to think that as long as people have given consent that you know it's all good whatever you're into no judgment as long as no one's hurt and there's consent do whatever you like but with this kind of stuff when men are giving her a lot of money or have these extreme fetishes you know, it's not really black and white, Matt. Like, it's kind of morally murky. And, and some people, you know, think that her ethics are questionable. So I wanted to really delve into that. And uh, the story kind of emerged from that starting point. When it comes to the nature of addiction, with regards to Ciara, what she does at her clientele, that's a very niche kind of thing. Your character, mm -hmm. uh, what you, your addiction in this uh, in the film is that you just you like to film everything that's your thing you want to document everything you, they can't go past where you don't have a camera 
um, in your hand and you're filming all things, even the most awkward of situations. And it's really interesting because we're living in a time right now where everyone's got a phone, it's got a camera on it, they're recording everything. Um, the moments aren't for them anymore, it's for everyone to see. And I think that's something that's really re relatable these days. Um, when you touched into that kind of stuff, did you look at yourself in a sort of way and thought, wait a minute, I'm talking, I'm, I'm fictionalizing this, but I might have something going on in my own life in regards to documenting footage and using social media per se a little too much and I might have to, you know, step back from it a bit because I gotta tell you, that's something that I felt I had, like say a couple months ago, I hit, I hit a pinnacle where I had a little update that came up on my iPhone and actually said that I used my phone eight hours a day. And I was like, geez, where did that time go? I had no idea I was doing that. And now I'm working wow. really hard to scale it back. I'm down to three now, which I'm pretty kind of proud of, actually. Um, That's great. And so I really had to take stock on that. What about yourself, Julian? Did you have to take stock on a few things? Um, and did that also affect your profession in a sort of way? Because you are a filmmaker. You're going to have a camera on you. You are full of ideas, I'm sure. Um, explain to me the juxtaposition in regards to that. Mm. Well, firstly, I really appreciate the question because, you know, on the surface, this movie's about sex and this sex worker and this bizarre part of the industry. But, yeah, the, the biggest theme in the film is addiction. And I think certainly what my character is going through is crucial to the plot. It's a major aspect of the plot. You know, it's funny. Yes, my character, in a sense, is addicted to documenting his life. I came up with the idea of this several years ago. Now, obviously, social media has been around a long time, mm. but I think you'd agree it's really ramped up in the last few years, yeah. right? I mean, year on year, it's just more and more people who would never be considered a quote-unquote content creator, uh, vlogging, and you've got Insta stories, and everyone's doing it. So when this idea came about, my character's obsessed with filming and documenting his life, it actually didn't necessarily ring that true. It's sort of like as social media has just become more and more intense, the film has become more resonant. And I, I think this obsession with documenting your life every second of the day is pretty relevant. I think we are in a technology-addicted culture. Um, and frankly, my friend, I do not necessarily have the answer to that. Um, and it, it is a struggle. Now, I will say the film does fictionalize it a bit. I'm not sure that I have, you know, quite the same problem, you know, that, that my character or that version of myself that I play in the film has. It's not quite lined up. But we all struggle with that. And look, you're someone who is, again, I hate this term, but, you know, you're a content creator. I'm a content creator. We're under a lot of pressure to be on social media all the time. And as an actor, I know that casting agents look at, okay, well, how many Instagram followers does this guy have? Right. What's his Facebook presence? How many retweets is he getting? So, you know, you and I are under this sort of direct professional pressure as well to kind of keep your profile up and be active in that space. And it is, it is super tough. It is really tough. And I think the film is asking questions about that and, and about how do we be authentic in this kind of new world we're in where everybody's creating media and using their own life as the raw materials. Another thing the film talks about is the notion of the American dream. And I, I think it was earlier in the film where Sierra's uh, manager said that she is an example of a, a triumph of capitalism, I think <laughs> was, was, the quote, uh, was the quote there. Right. Um, and look... 
you, you've been over there. You've hung out with Sierra for a quite a while. I'm sure you've went to the uh, the um, uh, porn conventions and, and, and the like. Mm. Just how big is this industry? Because we keep hearing about a billion dollar industry, even though there's content out there that you know. I think I, I can't think of any other industry where there's content where there's so much free stuff people can watch that they have to yeah. pay for it. People are paying for a specific sort of stuff that, that Sierra uh, offers to a clientele. Just how big uh, are we talking about? Are we talking about billion dollars here you know, as an industry as a whole? You know, I, I would think so. And it's, it's funny you mentioned, I mean, yeah, obviously we all know porn. Hey, it's not exactly hard to find. No. So in a sense, I think the traditional adult film industry has suffered because you can just jump on your iPhone and get a whole bunch for free. But you look at someone like Sierra, who is appealing to people who have, shall we say, left-of-center tastes. They have a fetish, they're something very specific. Well, you can't necessarily get that everywhere. And people are looking for an interaction, whether it's, okay, a, a cam show for them or, you know, a very specific video that has very specific actions and language, and she's sort of acting out this role that you want her to play. So I think for these, um, these women who are in that space, it's actually probably been a boon for them. And in a sense, if you are going to be in that industry, you may be better off serving people who are in a smaller niche but are really passionate and, and specific about what they want as opposed to the kind of, you know, what we think of just conventionally as, as porn or, you know, male, female having sex, you know, because that's quite easy to find. So, look, I think they're doing great. Um, but it comes down to the individual. And I've got to tell you, I mean, Sierra Lynch is a damn hardworking person. Mm. A lot of people look at what she does and think, oh, well, I could do that quite easily. Well, I've got to tell you, she works her butt off at it. And, you know, she is very talented at it. Um, you know, and there's a lot of social media and self-promotion. And it's not an accident that she's become a huge success in this area. You know, I think she frankly deserves the, the space that she's carved out in that area. Well, clearly she has a following because she was she was on the Joe Rogan podcast I think a few years ago when uh, um, that's yeah. a, there's a certain plateau of get clientele uh, that, that appears on, on a podcast like that, which I think outside of Adam Carolla is like the biggest podcast in the world. So, uh, you oh know, yeah, 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 and it was it was great, you know, when she went on that, and it was a bit cheeky. I mean, we actually shot, I guess, you know, we used some footage from that appearance where we, we kind of blended her appearance on the Joe Rogan podcast into our movie. Um, you know, which he was cool with and everything. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, certainly when you're on a mainstream platform like that, it pretty much shows you're at the top of your niche, right? Uh, also, you know, HBO, I think, featured her on a show called Sex On. So she's flirted with mainstream exposure a bit. And um, obviously, look, she loved Use Me creatively. But I think from her point of view, hey, why not go broader? I think that's why she agreed to do this movie with me. Like, this, this could reach a new audience. And, hey, maybe she'll find some new fans, I guess. Speaking of capitalism, I was curious about your experience with Kickstarter. I've talked to different independent filmmakers both here and overseas. I've had mixed reviews. Some people said it was really good. Some people said there was a, a certain sense of pressure in regards to living up to you know different uh, promises made to investors, etc. How did you find your experience with Kickstarter? Okay, cool. Good question. Uh, I'll be very honest with you. Like, whew, don't do it unless you are expecting a full-time job. Hmm in the sense that don't take it lightly it is a big deal it's a huge workload um we set a reasonably high target we were trying to get twenty five thousand dollars um you know which is nothing to sneeze at uh we ended up getting close to 30 we were working around the clock on it um and i know you know some people thought well you know look she's a financial dominatrix how hard can it be 
Well, actually, it was a little bit challenging because, okay, yes, guys are used to paying her money for a fetish, right, where they're going to get off on this thing right now, but actually investing in a film is kind of a whole different concept. Mm. So, you know, I would just say be prepared for the workload, uh, a lot of social media, um, and again, being candid, you know, Twitter actually is a great platform. I think a lot of our uh, funds came through Twitter, um, Facebook too, you know, was, was really big for us. Uh, you need to be prepared to be very interactive. Now, what we did run into is that people who aren't that familiar with how long films actually take to make do get a little bit frustrated. I mean, frankly, our film didn't take that long. You know, it's taken a few years since the Kickstarter, but, you know, these things can take five years or seven years. It, it happens with independent films. So I think you just have to keep updating people, hey, this is where we're at. This is why it's taking longer than you might expect, and we're taking a bit longer to make a better product. So be fully transparent. Would I do it again? I wouldn't be in a hurry to do it again. I kind of think you get one shot at crowdfunding. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe if the movie's a big success, great. You know, and people are happy, and hey, that was worth it. Maybe I'd go back to that well again. But um, I don't really want to get into a mindset where I'm thinking that I have to fund every movie in advance from my audience you know i think it's it's great if you're starting out and get that first run on the board but you would hope that it would turn into more opportunities rather than you know crowdsourcing every time um i was i was curious about uh, just a real uh, question here when i was looking at the uh, the crowdfunding kind of like all the updates on the page the, the title of the mm. film was originally uh ruin me it changed to yeah. use me what was the uh the uh decision for the change yeah, so, you know, we, uh, we called it Ruin Me, you know, I was very happy with the title, and then uh, in 2017, when we were in production, uh, an indie American horror movie came out, and it was called Ruin Me. Right. Now, no hard feelings, as, you know, they may have had that title for many years, so it's all good. Um, I initially was kind of like, ah, oh, that's fine, there'll just be two movies called Ruin Me, you know, it, it's okay, but then, you know... And I know you know a bit about distribution and stuff. Like, you know, you start talking to distributors, you start talking to sales agents, you, you canvass a few opinions, and everybody was saying, absolutely not. Do not confuse your film in the marketplace. Carve out your own identity. Mm. We just realized we needed our own, you know, even your own digital footprint. You don't want to be typing in Ruin Me and two movies come up. and be like, well, which one is it? it, it there were just too many problems. So... We put a lot of thought into it and decided Use Me was the best. And honestly, I actually prefer the title now. I think it's a more accurate title, uh, given that the film deals with addiction. I, I like that aspect of it, of, of using, you know, that notion. Uh, and I like the ambiguity of who is using who. You know, if you look at the Sierra Julian dynamic, I'm sorry to speak in the third person. I hate people that do that. But, no, you know, no characters, aren't, <laughs> they're not quite ourselves. But just the notion of who is using who. You know, is he using her to make this documentary and kind of manipulating her to make the footage better or is she using him because she's kind of got an agenda so uh, to me use me actually it works well and and people seem to like it so we're happy we're happy with it final question julian you started off as as a film critic um uh, before any of your uh filming maybe you've done some shorts i'm not sure exactly in regards to the timeline there but you worked quite a lot of time with filming um, at the start of the film, you actually had Dove Cornets from Filmic there making mm-hmm. a guest appearance. Um, I'm just something I'm really curious about when a uh, film critic goes into filmmaking. When you look at films now compared to previously, does your perception of films change? Do you look at them now with a filmmaker's eyes as opposed to a critic's eyes? I mean, how, how, how do you kind of approach that kind of thing now? Hmm. 
Well, um, I'm super proud of my background as a film critic. Um, honestly, I would probably still like to do it because I have such a passion um, for, you know, good writing about film. And, and you know, um, it, it gets hard when you're making them and you're trying to collaborate with people who you might have given a bad review to. Right. I just kind of realized, okay, I sort of need to step back, you know, if I'm trying to work with an actor and I, you know, maybe said something... You know, negative. I just don't want to be thinking about that. I want to feel kind of unbiased. Um, but what I will say is that uh, that was my film school. You know, I got into film criticism when I was about 15. I got a job with uh, Film Inc. magazine. And I learned so much. I just learned so much. I was watching movies every day, watching different genres, watching foreign movies, watching genres I had no interest in, but I had to watch them because I had to review it. Uh, it, it really was my first film school, and you know, I later went to um, afters and, and studied directing and all that. But I, I, I really put my years as a film critic on the same level because at the end of the day, when you're a director, you're just like the first audience, right? I mean, you're watching it, and it's your taste that shapes it. So at a certain point in your life, you got to watch a bunch of stuff and decide what you like and what you don't like, and what your taste is. And I think my years being a film critic helped me discover my taste and actually did make me a better director. Um, and in terms of Dov's cameo, you know, he's, he's a friend. He's someone I really admire what he did with, with filming and continues to do. And um, again, I, I made a movie using all the raw materials I had available in my life. Dov was a friend and had a podcast, so I, I used him, you know. My sister's in the movie. Mm. Uh, my ex-girlfriend is in the movie, actually, you know, in some pretty emotional scenes. Um, all these people playing themselves or versions of themselves so you know I just used what I had available to me well for everyone listening out there the movie is called Use Me we'll be having its world premiere at Brooklyn Film Festival June 2nd uh, Julian do you have any initial kind of uh, uh, feel about when we could maybe see that on Australian screens or in Australian theatres yeah you know I can't announce anything yet but I have a feeling that Sometime in September, there should be a Sydney screening. So I think people should keep their eyes peeled for that. Again, I can't, I can't really announce anything yet or, or where that would be, but my understanding is that there should be a Sydney screening uh, in, in September 2019. So uh, stay on the lookout for that. That's great news. So for everyone listening, Use Me, it is a really great movie, actually. Um, and I really dug the kind of fantasy meets reality documentary kind of mashup put together. Julian Shaw, I thank you very much for joining me on the podcast and best of luck with the premiere in a couple of days. Thanks so much, Matt. Thanks for taking so much time and putting so much thought into it like you always do. I, I really appreciate it, man. And uh, yeah, it was great chatting with you.